This is episode number 16 with Ben and Judith Jackson. Welcome to The Marriage Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Price, international marriage interventionist and best-selling co-author of Success Breakthroughs. On this show, I provide innovative solutions for marital success by focusing on personal development and relationship transformation. Every week, I'll be talking with thought leaders from around the world and will be providing your weekly dose of wisdom so you can catapult yourselves to marital success and true life fulfillment. I ask you to love one another, encourage and support each other, and live with passion. Are you ready? Here we go. Ben and Judith Jackson have been married for 17 years and have four children. In their early years of parenting, their children suffered many illnesses, and the stress from repeated doctor visits, both physical and financial, were overwhelming. So they researched, consulted numerous health professionals, and made some simple yet significant shifts in both their thinking and their approach to their family's health. Their results were so profound, they decided to make a career change and now show other parents how to create proactive health build rock-solid immune systems, and how to navigate illness when it does strike. Ben and Judith, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jennifer. Great to be here. here. I'm so glad to have you guys on, and I'm super excited. And tell us where you're coming from. Our passion for sharing the Healthy Families message came from our family's journey. As you said in the intro, we had this real journey of sickness of kids just constantly being sick and you know, now it's completely different. We have kids that hardly ever get sick and we almost never visit the doctors. But in the early days, it was the complete opposite. Mm. We're always sick. We're always at the doctors. And we came across all these other families as well who were sick and, you know, challenges of things like ADD and chronic fatigue. And it just seemed to be all the way all around us. And we, we just felt like that wasn't the normal. Yeah, look, it kind of felt like we're on the, what we call a medical uh, merry-go-round because, you know, your children just, they just get sick and then you're back to the doctors again and then you're back to the chemist to get a prescription and it was constant. It was just constant. And after as many years, we kind of went, you know what, so many people seem to be like this and this isn't the sort of health that we want for our family. We don't like that this is normal and people settle for this as normal. So that's where we kind of thought, okay, let's go and create a different normal for us. And people have been really amazed at our results. And that's where our passion really grew for sharing what we'd found. And, you know, the areas that parents have control over, it's actually quite surprising, but quite simple. Well, I'm super inspired by you guys. I've had my own health journeys and have kind of done the same thing you have, researched and, you know, found ways to holistically not just manage my health, but create change in my own life so that, you know, my immune system is strong and I have just an abundance of energy at the end of the day at 11 p.m. I'm still ready to go. And and sometimes I really have to kind of force myself to just say, okay, you know what? It really is time to start slowing down and head to bed. But for me, one of the biggest changes was nutrition. So I'd love to stop for a moment and talk to you about nutrition because I know that's been a huge change for you all. And I know that you do a lot of work with nutrition. Families get really busy. And 
Adults are often tired at the end of the day. Because they're tired, they don't have to think about what they're going to make for dinner and then and then go into the kitchen. And it does take a little bit of effort to eat healthy. We all know that. And at the end of the day, adults can be tired. And many people tend to, at least here in America, I don't know about there, but here in America, families tend to eat what's easy and fast. And that often means eating processed foods, Sometimes even, you know, what people call TV dinners or frozen dinners, that kind of thing, stuff bought from the grocery store. So my question for you guys is one that, you know, I hear a lot of people ask me and and different people all the time. How can a busy family spend a short amount of time in the evening preparing a healthy dinner? Yeah, look, Jennifer, that's a great question. And you are totally right. It's a really easy cycle to fall into because we're just getting busier and busier, aren't we? All families, no matter where we are, I think, which is kind of crazy, but true. So, you know, and what we found, because, you know, we've fallen into that cycle and and to be honest, every now and then, if we're not, you know, putting some of these things into practice, we fall back into that cycle and we catch ourselves so, and we know how to correct it. So, you know, what we found really is that having a plan is the key. It's absolute key. And once you have that plan, it's really easy to have those nutritious dinners in a really short amount of time. So, you know, some of the things that we have found really work and work for our family and then, you know, work for our clients is, is really come out with a list of healthy meal ideas that your family likes, you know, and you organize, you just keep some basic fresh things in the fridge and some basic good staples, healthy staples in the pantry. And from there, you can build on things. But probably the absolute winner that we have done over the last probably about five years now is actually having a meal plan, which, you know, a lot of people sort of go, oh, yeah, 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 meal plan. But seriously, I've grown in my organization as our family has grown. And this has been an absolute oh, it's been phenomenal for our family. And for us, we also enroll our children in not just the meal planning, but our three oldest ones, we've just about to have three teenagers next week. So they actually do one meal a week each. And so for doing that, we sit down, you know, every couple of months and we'll discuss what type of meals would they like to prepare? And, you know, obviously there are some boundaries in there, but really it's, it's, they're kind of, it's fairly open. So they come up with a whole range of different meals that they're happy to prepare. And then I just roster through that, you know, as I'm doing the the meal plan, I sort of allocate those meals to those three and the rest of them kind of slot in from there. So, you know, I just, Ben and I, whoever's doing the shopping that week, we just have to ensure that we've got the ingredients for, for them and it makes it really easy. They know what they need to do. They know how to prepare it. And best of all, they're happy to eat it because they've been involved in that planning process as well. How often do you create, do this once a week? I do a rolling sort of weekly meal plan, but I might sit down on Tuesday, for example, to do the following week's meal roster. And, you know, you do have to be organized because most people know what's in their calendar for the next week, whether it's, you know, after school activities, whether it's work functions, whether, you know, you've got a, a celebration of some kind. So I just, I adjust the plan accordingly, but it's there, it's on the fridge. And the children know, our oldest three particularly, our youngest is still a bit young to do that as much as he, you know, he'll do his scrambled eggs. But they know when it's their day, they can look on the fridge, they know what they need to prepare. And pretty much the only input we do is just sort of, you know, if there's a time difference, if we say, actually, we need it earlier tonight, or we need a little bit later tonight, we just give them those guidelines, but they get in and they do it. 
Yeah, that's perfect. My mom did this when we were children, and it's a practice that I carried over. So when my son was young, I used to do that every Sunday evening. I would sit down and make a meal plan for the entire week. On Monday, I would go grocery shopping. What I found is doing this, you actually end up not only eating healthier, because it's all planned out, you don't have to think about what, you know, all the ingredients are there. So it's just kind of done. But what I found is that I actually ended up purchasing less food and therefore spending less money, wasting less food as well, because it's all planned out. So that's a great practice. What about families on a budget? Because I hear a lot of people say that they cannot afford to eat healthy, to eat fresh, organic, whole foods. And so they are kind of forced to choose low-cost foods and processed foods just because they're cheaper. And so they'll literally go to the grocery and purchase whatever cheapest things they can find to eat. So do you have any tips on healthy eating for families that are on a really strict budget? Yeah, absolutely. And and being a family of six, we totally know about budgets. (laughs) So yeah, there are a few things to remember about cost. You know, firstly is there is always a cost, whether we pay it at the checkout or we pay it with our health at a point later down the track. And it's something that's really important to keep in mind Mm. because one of the things we've realized is you can look at the more expensive item and say, why is it so expensive? Or you can look at the cheaper item and say, what have they done to that to make it so cheap? And often they've stripped out all the goodness. And so we can eat all these calories, but they don't necessarily fill us up or they don't necessarily... Uh, like uh, provide the nutrition our body needs so we end up being hungry again later so that cost is going to come back and and hit us again later that's right yeah i always tell my family and my friends that you know you can either invest a little more money right now on your health or a whole lot later on down the road when you're treating diabetes and high blood pressure and cancer and whatever else is you're going to get hit with Yeah, look, absolutely. And, you know, and just getting into some of the practical sides of when you are trying to feed a family on a budget, I've got to go back to that meal plan. And like you were saying, Jennifer, you don't end up with the waste because you're actually buying for what you're needing, you know, which is a real key thing. A few other practical things. Don't go shopping hungry. I think we've all heard that. (laughs) (laughs) My shopping cart is always twice as full when I'm hungry. (laughs) I know, I know. It's crazy. And as far as looking at better quality, you know, organics specifically, have a look at the Dirty Dozen Clean 15, um, just for a guide on what to really ensure, you know, that you should try to get organic. Or if it's something that your family, if you just eat potatoes like there is no tomorrow, you know, that's something you should definitely look at getting organic. Whatever, there's something that you consume a lot of as a family. Your children don't go to school without an apple every single day. Get your apples organically. You know, if you have to make choices, look at the Dirty Dozen Clean 15. Yeah, I've read that and I practice it sometimes. Sometimes I'll go ahead and get an avocado that's that's not organic, that's conventional because that's on the list of, you know, what I've learned is like the thicker the skin, like an avocado, the less the pesticides are able to penetrate. But then blueberries and strawberries and raspberries on the other end, they absorb everything. But for people listening who have never heard of the clean and dirty list, remind us what the title is so that they can go and Google it and find it easily. What's the name of those again? The group that first started it was the Environmental Working Group, and they're a a group in the US who do amazing research and put a lot of really good information. So if you just Google EWG and the Dirty Dozen, you'll find both the Dirty Dozen and their Clean 15 list. And it's a a great place for people to start. Longer term, we like people to get into a fully organic diet because you're getting rid of all the pesticides and all the things that drag on your health. 
Okay, so the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15, they're two lists that tell you the Dirty Dozen, you never want to eat them, and then the Clean 15. So go Google yeah. those, everyone, because that's that's been a game changer for me as well. Jennifer, I just wanted to mention a couple more things in this for budgets for families. Really looking at filling your children up on whole foods and not processed foods is actually super important and sometimes not just for, for what you think, but, I mean, it goes back to what Ben said they're actually getting empty nutrients. So, you know, if you give a child a whole apple as opposed to like a, a fruit strap, they're going to be full with the apple. And so you're actually going to be saving more money in the long run by actually giving them the whole foods, you know, not the processed things. Or sometimes we'll, you know, add a bit of rice or quinoa or something if we're having tacos or burritos, because it just actually fills up a little bit, but you can use that for salad or something, etc. So you're not wanting to feed your family empty food because then they're getting empty calories, which then they just want to eat more anyway. So you end up spending more. And I think just finally on here, it's really important to remember that all of your listeners, all of us as parents, we're the ones who are responsible for bringing into the house the food that our families eat. Mm. It rests with us. So if you don't bring home the bulk packets of potato crisps, if you don't bring home the on-sale cookies, but you actually bring healthier choices into the house, that's what they're going to reach for because that's what you put in front of them. Because that's just really an area that a lot of people feel that they don't have control over because, oh, my child only eats white processed bread. It's Chances are that's because you've put it in front of them. And I say that with all respect to all families because we've all been there. But that was one of the mind shifts that we had to have was realising actually that's our responsibility to put those healthy choices in front of them and just really look at what we're bringing to the home. Yeah, and, you know, I, I want to talk just for a brief second to women out there who are either pregnant or trying to get pregnant because healthy food choices in children actually start in utero. There's so much scientific data that proves that children, as we grow into adults, we are going to love foods that our mother ate when we were in utero. It's so funny because I hear friends talking about how their children, my cousin, for example, she's a vegetarian and her partner, he eats meat, and they have decided to allow their child to decide whether or not she wants to eat meat. And so they've given it to her a couple of times, and she spits it out, and, and she just she absolutely cannot see in the taste of it, and her mother never ate it. And the foods that I craved and ate a lot of when I was pregnant, like pizza, unfortunately, are foods that my son now loves. And so it really does start in utero. There's a lot of scientific research and data to back this up. So go to YouTube and just search these videos and do your own research and find out. But but yeah, start healthy practices before you're pregnant if you can, or, or you know, it's never too late to change. And I know too that the body, the body talks. My body talks to me all the time. But the human body does speak to us and send the signals. For example, hunger pains, they're a sign that we need to eat. Thirst is a sign that we need water. Sleepiness, it's a sign that's telling our, you know, that our body is telling us that we need sleep. Our, our brain needs that sleep. And so the body talks. And I've learned how to be very in tune with my own body to the point that I often know exactly what I need to eat. Not just that it's time to eat, but my body will often tell me what to eat. And, you know, sometimes I have a meal plan and other times I totally break it because my body's saying, no, I need raspberries. And so I'll go eat raspberries. <laughs> and I can also often tell what type of body work or type of exercise my body needs that day. So I've, I've learned to really listen to my body. I'm, I'm very, very in tune. And I think the more in tune we are with our bodies, the healthier we're going to be. 
I have a few friends who think that this concept is so foreign and they're telling me that they say things like, well, I'm too busy with work. I'm too busy with whatever to be in touch with my body. I wish I had that luxury or I'm just too busy to listen to what my body's saying or my body doesn't even speak to me. I don't know what you're talking about. And it's because they're so busy that they haven't learned, right? So how do you guide your clients into learning how to be more in tune with their own body and how to listen to what their body is saying so they can be healthier? Absolutely, Jennifer, and you've, you're so in tune with your body. That's incredible. And you're totally right that people, they just go through life and their brain just dictates everything about their life and they don't really even give their body a chance to step into the process. And often they don't even notice their body until it actually starts screaming at them because it's not feeling well, by which point it's too late. We've already missed the boat. You know, We need to be so much earlier in the process and feeling our body every day. And you're right, it's something that we really need to be mindful of because if we do everything else and forget this we're missing a big part of of the process that's right can't really function very well without the body working well so you know it's starting with those questions and bringing the body into starting to pay attention when things in early days are starting to happen so people need to start regarding their body i guess in every part of the process you know and giving it the greater respect that it needs yeah absolutely and one of the things that we try to get people to recognize is that there's an old way of looking at things and there's a new way And that new way is really stepping into recognizing, as we just said, the body is super important, but your head often dominates. You know, as you said, most people say, I'm too busy. It's a luxury to be able to spend time, you know, nurturing myself. But you know what? You don't want to get 15 years down the track and go, oh my gosh, I wish I'd done this, you know, 15 years ago. And it's just like our marriages. You have to work on it every single day. It's really, really important. So it's just, you know, a lot of little things. Well, I say they're little things, but they're just little things that happen regularly. Being mindful of your feelings and behaviours throughout the day, you know, and these can be related to a whole range of things, whether it's food or stress or hormones, but it's a great place to start. You know, and I remember sort of doing observations in our children's classroom and because you're sitting there, you can't be on your phone, obviously, you can't be reading, you can't be talking too much, you're there just to sit and observe. And and I remember these times that that's when my, I'd start to do these head snaps, you know, my body would be starting to fall asleep because it's, I can imagine my body sort of going, oh, thank goodness, she's stopping, I can rest now. <laughs> I mean, just fight through it. And, I, and that, they were like little wake up calls to me going, oh my gosh, my body's actually really tired. So, yeah, really sort of listening to that. So it meant I hadn't stopped and that's something I've been working on. You know, you get quite some significant health issues just from not stopping. Like adrenal fatigue is is really a very common situation or condition nowadays, which a lot of people are struggling through. We encourage people to just, in learning how to stop, sometimes it is literally taking the phrase stopping and smelling the roses, you know, stopping and actually stopping by flowers growing, stopping under a tree, just stopping in a park. You know, there's some really simple things, connecting them through water and sand. And, you know, we're really fortunate we live near Sydney's beaches. And so just being able to go for a walk on the beach really connects you and grounds you to the earth, which is just fantastic. If you live near a a river or, you know, a waterfall, it's the same sort of connection and grounding, again, connecting to the earth. Mm. And and adding some mindfulness to the process as well. Yes. Often, so so many times, even if we're treating ourselves with something small, whether it's you know an apple or you know a nice chocolate, whatever it is, we'll find we'll consume the whole thing and get to the end of it and go, <laughs> oh, I don't even remember having that. And you want to have another one again because you are so busy doing something else and just taking the time out to you know take that apple outside and sit down and look at the birds and the trees and the wind and enjoy that apple at the same time is that concept of mindfulness of taking time out to listen to what's going on around you and what your body's feeling at the time. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and gratitude. You know, I, I used to do that. I would I would sit down and I would eat something and I would either be, you know, watching a video, an educational video or typing an email, watching a movie. And I looked down and all my food's gone and I barely remembered eating it. So now I try to be, to do exactly what you said, be mindful of it. And I'll even go so far as to especially with smoothie bowls, because that's one of my favorite things to eat is a smoothie bowl. And I'll hold, you know, whatever it is I'm eating, I'll hold it in my hand and I'll look at it and I'll just feel love and joy and gratitude in my heart for this nourishing food that I'm about to eat. And then as I'm eating it, I just can kind of visualize it, you know, touching all the cells in my body and providing me with the nutrients and the vitamins and the energy. And and I just try to be really mindful. And I find when I do that, I feel so much better about what I'm eating. I feel so much more gratitude for my health. And it's kind of like a, I don't know if you want to call it like a snowball effect or like a hamster wheel, but it just, you know, having that practice actually encourages more gratitude and more joy and more healthy practices too. You know, the more mindful you become, the more you appreciate your health and then the better choices you make. And it's just this, you know, repeat over and over and it just gets better and better. Oh, absolutely. And Jennifer, I don't think we really understand how important it is for us to set that example, how much our children see what we do. And they also are very in tune to those vibrations that we bring into the family. And it's really important that we create those vibrations for them to pick up on, but also the areas of calm. We have one child in particular who is really sensitive to the vibrations of Ben and I and the harmony in the home or sometimes the chaos that sometimes ensues <laughs> and it's from busyness. And we've realized that we need to ensure that you know, we need to check our vibration when we're coming into the home, but also she needs to have a sort of her space where she can just retreat and center herself, even though it's not necessarily a conscious thing for a child to do, but it's just really important. They pick up on so much of how we are feeling as much as what they see and and what we're doing. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's so important to kind of play off of that about your energy and your vibration around other people. It's something that now, you know, my son's gone off to college. And so now I I just have to be mindful with myself. You know, what are my thoughts? What kind of energy am I bringing to my friends when I get together with them and my family? Yeah. My mother, bless her heart, she has taught me some incredible lessons over the years. And she has said a couple of little phrases that just ring in my ear over and over and are so true to this day. And I actually go in to teach my clients And that is, number one, you are who you hang out with. And so now people like Tony Robbins and and some of the world's greatest leaders in personal development say you are a product of the five people you spend the most time with. So it's exactly what my mom said. You are who you hang out with, so choose wisely. She also has said, you are what you eat. And then another one she said is, you know, you get what you pay for. (laughs) And so, you know, I know that's true with healthier body products they're going to be more expensive. Healthy food, organic food is going to be a little more expensive. Natural cleaning products versus some of the very caustic, cancer, chemically filled you know, cleaning products out there, they're going to be a little more expensive too. Organic food typically costs more than the pesticide-ridden commercial food that, that you know, that's available. So I fully understand why healthy products are worth the money. And I am quite fastidious with what I put in and on my body all the way down to my makeup. But there are so many people who don't understand why healthy products cost more. 
And so because of that, they're very happy to purchase the cheapest items they can find at the grocery. What do you want to say to people listening who don't understand the importance of purchasing healthy goods and who who sit back and complain about why healthy stuff is so expensive? What can you say to them to inspire them, to motivate them, to help them understand? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's probably the number one misconception or the number one question that we come across when we work with people. And I think the biggest myth is the assumption that what if something's on the shelf, that it must be safe, whether we're buying it from a grocery store or a department store, whatever that product is, we assume if it's on the shelf, someone's already tested it for safety, but in fact, it couldn't be further from the truth. Say that one more time, <laughs> because I really want I really want people to understand if there's one message I want people to walk away with today, it's this one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, because it was a really big eye-opener for us. The, the concept that if it's on the shelf, we assume that someone's tested it for safety, and that's just not the case. Whether it's a personal care product like a shampoo or a lotion or even down to a packaged food product, you know, cosmetics especially, there's so many areas, just because it's on the shelf, it hasn't been tested for safety. And that's the biggest eye-opener that people need to start with. And then when we go on from there, all those ingredients, you know, which we've assumed have been tested, only about 1% have been tested for safety. And they're coming up with about 2,000 new ones each year, or all these ingredients. And we have to reframe our concept of cost and say the real product, the natural product, the safe product is the real cost. Everything else they've looked at and gone, hmm, you know, this perfume, this lotion, it's a bit expensive. How do we make it cheaper for our customers? Well, if we take out the natural ingredient and we replace it with something cheaper, well, then we can make it less expensive. So the great example we have was Judith's parents were visiting us one day and we don't have off ice cream in the house often, but we do have sometimes and it, we only have very small portions, but we're very specific about what brand we'll have and, and what the ingredients are. And we sent them up to the, the grocery store and they came back and one of Judith's parents turned to the other and said, do you realize they spend as much money on one liter of ice cream as we do on four? And then he turned to me and said, well, why is it so expensive? And I said, actually, what is it that they do to the other one to make it so cheap? <laughs> I love that. Done is they've removed the cream, you know, they've removed the natural ingredients and it becomes, you know, not ice cream anymore. It's a, it's a, it's a fake comparison. So we're either going to pay, like we said before, at the checkout or we're going to pay with our health at some point in the future. That's right. There's, there's always a cost to it. And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize. And let's go back to something you said earlier, Jennifer, as well, that you're saying to your friends, you know, it's worthwhile investing in your health a little bit every day now, rather than that big hit when you get hit with the, you know, on late onset diabetes or other health related, you know, cancers and all sorts of horrible, horrible things that people have to endure invest in your health now. And it's little bits because small amounts really matter. Small amounts of chemicals really make an impact on your body, but those small changes every day make a really positive impact on your health for now and going into the future as well. Yeah. I think people don't really understand the amount of chemicals they're putting on their body every day and that these chemicals have been proven scientifically to cause cancer. And one of the biggest eye-openers for me, like, yes, shampoos and soaps, and of course, you know, I think most people now are aware of the difference between deodorant and antiperspirant and the mercury and, and different things and deodorants and antiperspirants. But for me, one of the biggest eye-openers was lotion. And the reason that I kind of <laughs> understood 
how caustic lotion is, is because at one point I developed an, an anaphylactic, life-threatening allergy to silicone, which is a, a plastic. I would try all these different lotions and I would be breaking out head to toe in hives and I couldn't figure out what's going on. And then I, and then my doctor so kindly pointed out that all these lotions have liquid silicone and it's labeled as, I believe, dimethicone or, or something close to that. But there's liquid plastic in almost every lotion on the market. And so I switched over to a company called Juice Beauty. This isn't, I'm not I don't work for them. I don't get paid or anything, but I, you know, so this isn't an advertisement of any kind, but I switched over to two companies. Juice Beauty is one and 100% Pure is another, and they don't use these caustic chemicals. So I use a little lotion there, but really for me, the biggest switch in the body product department was pulling away from lotions and using oils right before I get out of the shower. So I'll I'll kind of alternate between jojoba oil and almond oil and olive oil and coconut oil. And they not only, you know, prevent you from having dry skin, but your skin actually absorbs. If you're using healthy organic products like I do, oils, then your skin is actually absorbing nutrients that it needs. And so it's it's a double whammy in, in, a, in the healthy department. Let me ask you about body products, because I know that making some of these changes for people can be a little bit overwhelming to think, oh, I've got to find a new shampoo and conditioner, a new lotion, a new toothpaste, and, and new everything. So if there is one body product that you would recommend people start with changing out, what would that one body product be? I would say it'd probably be something you're going to be using in the shower. So either swapping out your soap, because there's some really nasty things in soaps or using a really high quality body wash, you know, it doesn't have the toxic chemicals in it because you're washing in it all the time, your whole body top to toe. You know, a lot of people think of your skin as being a barrier to the chemicals. It couldn't be further from the truth. It actually absorbs, you know, everything that we put on it, your skin absorbs it. So things like your shower gels or the lotions you were talking about, if you're going all over your body, that's, it's, it's your biggest organ. So you're lathering your biggest organ in things which, you know, have often petroleum-based ingredients in them. Yeah, that's great. That's a great answer. Wow. Yeah, I use a organic saponified olive oil liquid soap. <laughs> and so the only ingredients are organic olive oil and water. <laughs> so I hope I'm going in the right direction. Absolutely. Anything with less ingredients is good. Yes. Okay, well, let's talk about cleaning products for a second. Same thing. If, if people are overwhelmed and they don't know where to start, or they have that mentality, well, I don't, I just bought all brand new everything and I don't want to just throw it all away. What would you recommend to them? It would be your washing powder. Again, for the same reason, we wear our clothes and our pajamas and our sheets 24 seven. The products from the washing powders are going to stay in your clothes. And again, it's going through the skin and into the bloodstream. So that's a really big one to swap out. Yeah. straight away. Like we've, we've actually had some really interesting, one particular story of a, a young girl who had autism and she would just constantly be taking her clothes off and it got kind of quite awkward as she got older and her parents actually ended up swapping out their laundry powders as a bit of a desperation ethic. Someone suggested it and, and she stopped. Because oh, she was reacting so badly. Goodness, yeah. are she you was reacting so badly to the wow. chemicals that are in those washing powders? They're they're really really nasty stuff. A lot of them. So that would be a number one cleaning product that we would recommend people really look at. Look at wow. swapping out. And that's your sheets and your towels too. 
Oh, everything, yeah. everything, everything you put through the machine. And you just have to smell things when they come out and you know that the powders are still in there. I mean, really, sheets don't really need to smell like an autumn summer's day in Switzerland, you know, <laughs> an autumn day in Switzerland. That's not a natural smell, you know. <laughs> Oh, that's cute. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. When someone signs up and and starts working with you, I believe that you actually send them like a starter kit. Is that right? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And the reason for that is to just help people start getting the results sooner and also to take that that kind of question or quandary out of people's minds, you know, the financial thing of, oh, do I just finish this one off first before I start these new ones? It's like, no, let's just make a step change and you'll see the difference so much quicker. Yeah, just throw it away and start with the new healthy good stuff. And people understand the concept of holistic health or holistic eating now and whole foods, but the concept of taking that to the rest of your house and everything you do is just the next logical progression. I know that part of the work you do in helping families be healthy is teaching them how to deal with sickness when it does strike. What kind of tips or strategies can you give us so that we can learn how to kick an illness quickly when it comes or to at least decrease the severity or the length of the illness? What I'm going to say initially is probably going to be a bit counterintuitive to what you're expecting, but the number one thing that we need to be doing to reduce that severity of sickness and the length of sickness or even the incidents we should have been doing yesterday and last week and last month and last year. And that is building up our body and getting rid of all of those drags on our body that are actually dragging us down every day. And it's only by releasing that burden that we can actually build a strong body that can resist illness when it does start to show up. So that's the first thing we need to be doing. When you say eliminate the drags, are you talking toxins? Yeah, eliminating all those toxins and all the the processed foods and all the things that aren't building our body up, they're actually dragging our health down. And that includes stress as well. You know, the stress and the times of crazy business, not having the calm. So all of those contribute to dragging your health down. In terms of where we're at now, we live in a world of fast fixes. You know, the marketing is all take this product and keep going and keep going. In fact, again, we need to do the opposite. As soon as we have the first sign of sickness, we need to back off a little Mm. bit. We need to take some time out. And notice that our body's not feeling 100% instead of trying to power through at a time when it's under pressure. When we start to take that time out and rest, then our body can start to fight back. And then we have a few natural nutritionals that we suggest people take to give your body the building blocks to fight off what happens at the very beginning before it really takes hold. Because the body is incredible. It's amazingly made and it can heal itself if you give it what it needs. So that can be whole foods. It can be some nutritionals, you know, things like bone broths as well. They're all really nurturing for the body to be able to fight back in those early days. So we have a phrase that is called hit it early and hit it hard. Don't wait till it's taken hold. Get in early and intervene early and then you reduce the severity and the the length. What about old-fashioned sunshine and fresh air? Like, what if you have the flu or pneumonia and your doctor says, well, just stay inside, stay in bed. What do you have to say about that? Because I know, I I mean, I just had pneumonia, actually. I don't get the flu. I don't get sinus infections. I don't get illnesses like that very often. But I was hit recently with pneumonia. And my doctor said, stay in, or the nurse actually said, stay inside, stay in bed, don't move, you know, whatever. And I just had this craving to get outside and have fresh air and to feel the sunshine on my body. And I told my doctor, I said, I'm sorry, but I've got to go outside. And my doctor said, actually, 
The nurse is incorrect. The last thing you want to do when you have pneumonia or bronchitis is lay in bed all the time. Like you want to get up and get moving around. You don't want that the, the bacteria to kind of sit. You know, yes, go get some fresh air. Yes, go get, don't lay out in the sunshine in 95 degree heat and sweat and get dehydrated and stress your body. But yes, go out for 20 minutes and get some sunshine and fresh air. So is that something that you recommend to your clients as well? Like where do you stand on fresh air, light exercise, and a little bit of sunshine when you're really ill? I think they're just really important. And you think that these are pretty common sense things, but you know, I think that does tend to go out the window quite a bit when we're sick. Absolutely. Sunshine is, you know, in Australia, we've got some pretty strong, the, the sun can be a bit nasty here actually. And, and, you know, every child at school can't go out and, you know, during lunch or recess without a hat and covered in sunscreen. And uh, we actually kind of take a stand against that in our local school. And in winter, we actually will not allow them to wear sunscreen because they need to be out in the sun. They need to have that sunshine on their skin to convert to vitamin D. So, you know, things like that. So when you're unwell, it's a great place to go out and just get some nice gentle sun on you. Moderate amount, obviously, if you're not well, as you said, you don't want to be sitting and stressing with the the heat and sweating. Large areas of your skin is great. And actually in the middle of the day, which is the time we're all told to be out of the sun, but only for a short period of time, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, depending on your skin type. Obviously, if you're darker skin, sometimes a little bit longer is, is necessary. And what about exercise? Because, you know, you, you hear like, oh, if you have the flu, you don't want to tax your body. If you have pneumonia, you don't want to get your heart rate elevated or, or especially like pneumonia and bronchitis, you don't want yeah. to be breathing hard. So obviously you don't want to get on the treadmill and run 10 miles, yeah. but you know, what about just a little bit of light exercise? Well, look, Jennifer, I've just really got to say, you know, we're not doctors, so we don't want to come across as contradicting any direct advice from doctors. But for our family and, you know, our clients, what we really encourage is to actually have that gentle movement. You know, even if it's going out and sitting amongst the trees, go for a walk in a park, you know, go and cut some fresh flowers to bring them in. And that's all raising your vibration, you know, and even just as part of a walk, say something nice to a stranger you know, drink lots of good water. These are all things that raise that vibration, which all have such an impact in our bodies. And so that gentle exercise, obviously it depends on your condition as what you can do, but sometimes just actually walking out to the backyard, walking to the corner and back are just enough that you can do. And that's great. The other thing we mentioned earlier is actually earthing. That's walking on damp grass or damp sand in bare feet walking near the surf or a waterfall. And then again, that's really, it's awesome for your body just to be grounded and connected to the earth. It's the best antioxidant that we have on the planet is the planet. Tell us about that a little bit, because I think not everyone knows what grounding or earthing is. And, and many people understand it to just, oh, I'm just going to go ground myself and hug a tree or walk in the dirt. But myself included, I don't, I don't understand you know, the physiology behind what happens to the human body when you do this. I know that it's beneficial and I do it and I can feel a difference, but I don't understand the physiology. So can you tell us like what, what exactly it does to the body? Absolutely. And in the early days, I thought it was quite a, an out there concept <laughs> as well. But when I, I did the research and I'm a big researcher and realized that even, you know, governments now are saying this is probably the number one health thing we can do for our populations. Basically, you know, we are electrical beings and we have all these processes going on in our body and the earth is is like a giant battery. And just by connecting ourselves to the earth with bare feet and whether it's grass or water or sand or whatever it is, 
is a, a balancing process between the body and the earth. And it's actually been now scientifically demonstrated to be super beneficial. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I always feel so healthy and so energetic when I go to the beach and just spend, you know, an hour just walking up and down on the beach every day and laying there. And same thing, you know, walks in the grass with no shoes on. I can feel a difference. I feel more energetic, especially at the beach. I feel much more vitalized. And I know with the, the crashing of the waves and the millions of ions that are released and your feet absorb those and it goes through your body and, and it's a massive detox just taking a walk on the beach. So I've always felt the difference and, and understood that it's healthy, but I haven't really done the research that you have and, and figured out the physiology behind it. So thanks for explaining that to us. All right. So as we wrap up, I always like to ask people some fun questions. So tell us what your favorite book is. (laughs) I think mine would have to be Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) I love those era novels. You know, that's my favorite thing is to sit out in a hammock and, you know, grab one of those and lose myself in them. So, uh, you know, we like we, we quote it. I mean, I, you know, own every version of the movies as well. But even our children, will they know the quotes from it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're some of my favorite stories too. I love them. Ben, what about you? What's your favorite book? I tend to read personal development books a lot and just, you know, learning books. My favorite one at the moment is probably Brain Rules, which is all about, you know, the five ways how the brain learns and remembers. And I, find, I just find it fascinating. Oh, I haven't heard of it. I'm going to have to order that. That does sound fascinating. Judith, what is your favorite way to show love or self-care to yourself? I think just actually just, stopping because uh, it's not something I do that often or do well. It's something I've been working on a lot, particularly over the last sort of so many years that I've gotten a lot better at it. But to, you know, historically I wasn't, I, I remember when actually, if I give you a quick thing, pregnant with our first child and Ben took me to this amazing holiday, luxury island holiday for five days. And by the end of five days, it's like, I'm so glad I only booked this for five days because you just, you're bouncing around still. There's been no relaxation here. Like I'm working on it. So for me, just stopping as I, you know, I got a hammock a few years ago as a gift from Ben and I really enjoy just laying in that. And so just grabbing a novel, you know, Regency or a novel or something. And, and that's for me, that's downtime. And I know that I'm stopping and giving myself the time that it needs. So you have a husband that whisks you away for five days to a private island and at home gives you a hammock. You're a lucky girl. (laughs) I am. He knows my love languages. Oh, nice, nice. Ben, what about you? What's your favorite way to show self-care and love to yourself? It's definitely time out. You know, we have a busy family and I, I like the peace. I like the quiet, you know, with, with four children, we don't often get that. So removing myself every now and then and just having some time to myself and having that quiet time is very much cherished. Beautiful. What one action from human beings would you like to see more of in this world? Let's go first with you, Ben. I would say hugs. Mm. Share more love. <laughs> I'm a big fan of hugs. I like that answer. Judith, what about you? <laughs> Um, I would like to say actually looking people in the eye and saying hello when you walk by. Oh, beautiful. Yes, yes. Mm. I spoke with the uh, father of one of my friends not too long ago, and he was married, I, I think, around 50 years before his wife passed away. And he said, and this this man is a very high, just highly intelligent philosophy professor. And I said, what's what's the biggest thing you've learned in marriage? And and what would you say to the younger generation, people who are just you know just starting out on their path in marriage? 
and he set eye contact and he said he would come home from work and say hello to his wife, give her a hug and put his stuff down and, and start talking about his day and ask her about hers. And and he said for years and years and years, it was just never a really warm, you know, a warm homecoming. And finally, he had enough and he said, what is it that you want from me when I come home every day? And she turned around without batting an eyelash and she said, well, a little eye contact would be nice. (laughs) And he said, he finally asked and learned that 10 years before she passed away. So he said the last... The last 10 years of their marriage, his homecomings were always really beautiful because he would give her a lot of eye contact. Just He would do what both of you said, just stop and give eye contact. And he said, what a huge difference it made in their marriage. And he said, it's something I wish I had known in my 20s. So now it's what he it's what he tells everyone uh, starting out in marriage. So I like that answer. No. Both, both of your answers, yeah. eye contact and hugs. Love it. Any parting words of wisdom that either of you would like to share with our listeners today? In life, like anything, if you know, when we're talking about this concept of healthy families, you know, if it seems overwhelming, just put one foot in front of the other. Just take mm. one step at a time. Make one change today and another change tomorrow, and you know, you'll see the differences. Yeah, and and I guess I just want to sort of say to everybody, you know, who is listening that. You know, I really celebrate on you for making the decision to come and actually to listen and to want to make a difference in your family because you are the people who can. You, you as parents, and it might be one of you, whatever your family dynamic looks like, you've turned up and, you know, it's not hard to, as Ben said, make that next step. Just take one more step, change one thing, but you really just need to take that stand for your family. And, you know, I just really celebrate you for doing that by turning up. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Ben and Judith, thank you so very much for being with us today. You guys have given us some great things to think about and some very specific action steps I think people can take to improve their health and uh, their family's health overall. Anyone listening who really likes what they've said knows there's a lot of truth here and wants to start making changes in your life and you're not really sure you know, how to start or where to go or what to do, I highly suggest checking out their website, learning from them, sign up and work with them. You know, I, I'm such a such an advocate for all things health related, body products, cleaning products, food, proper sleep, body work, exercise, all of it. I'm very, very passionate about it. So anyone wanting to make change, check these guys out. Ben, Judith, give us your website where people can go and, and learn more from you and shoot you an email and hook up with you guys. Where where can people go? Sure. They can just uh, go straight to that website is judithandben.com. Judithandben.com. Perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes too. So gosh, guys, you are doing some beautiful work in the world. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for blessing us today, being on the show and sharing with us a little bit of your hearts and a little bit of your wisdom. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to The Marriage Show. I appreciate the time you took to be with me today. If you love this show as much as I love making it, please subscribe, rate, and leave me a five-star review. That will allow us to inspire more people together. And if there's someone in your life that would benefit from any of the subjects we discuss here on the show, please share it with them. Text it to them, screenshot it, or email the link. Let's change lives together. 
Let's spread the love. Oh, and please find me on social media and tell me what subject you would like me to discuss here on the show. So head over to Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I really would love your suggestion. And if you want to check the show notes from today's episode, you can find them at www.themarriageshow.com. And you can also listen to all of my other episodes there as well. Until next time, love one another. (laughs) 